about the weirding hour. Welcome to us. You, you, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> we are weird. You can tell. <laughs> You're weird. You like weird things. If you don't, you can leave. Thank you. I'm Nina. I'm Bothwell. <laughs> I'm Rhea. Um, so yeah, we like to talk about weird things and we like to make weird crafts. Today, we're making a weird craft out of soap. Uh, what, uh, what we, this week we're talking about bodies found in trees. It's going to be a cheerful one. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm going to have to do warnings before my story. Just any trigger warnings, get them out there. If anyone's scared of trees, don't listen to this. <laughs> the most obvious trigger warning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've kind of done my research, uh, but then I left a bit that I didn't do. So let's see how this goes. Cool. Does that mean you're going to make up the ending? Oh my god, do. Yeah. No, okay. I'm trying a different approach. Make up three endings and then we pick our favourite. Oh yeah, I like that. Uh, okay. Cool. No, but do it? Gonna, oh, no, no, definitely okay. not. <laughs> god damn. No, because no, it's not like a just a single story. It's more of a mystery. Okay. So. Can I just point out that soap carving is hard? Uh, yeah. But do do soap carve along with us, um, gentle listeners. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, it's probably not <laughs> that hard. Mine's, yeah, it, it's not going to look how I th wanted it to look. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that's very much the case with mine as well. Oh, yeah. No, it, for sure. That will also be the case with mine. Cool. Okay, come on, let's get this shit going. I want to hear yeah. about some bodies okay. and some trees. I found this one actually when I was researching our first episode ever ever so that was witchcraft so this <gasps> I think I know which one you're gonna do and I'm so excited sorry who put Bella in the witch yes! <laughs> cool it's just such a good phrase it's, it's so such good a creepy slightly confusing sort of makes sense but sort of doesn't phrase that makes you go I need to I need to know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what's weird as well? I have listened to this story on several different podcast like several uh -oh. different podcasts. And yeah, so no, you no, better no, do it well, Nina. It. I won't. <laughs> I never get bored of it. It's such a intriguing story. Yeah, but yeah, you better do it well, Nina. Um No. Okay, cool. That's disappointing. Shart. 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 <laughs> I'm just narrating Fine. what's going on with my body right now. Okay. Uh, oh no. I'm not going to do it well, and also in protest. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do a wet fart instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, guys. Who did put Bella in the witch elm? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Sorry. Is You're that not going to find it? <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, what happened? Oh, uh, this you've both heard this, so I can't like turn it into a mystery. <laughs> oh, no, I, I honestly don't remember. I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't remember, and I have listened to this story so many times. Okay. So, in April 1943, four boys were searching for birds' nests. Um, they're in a private wood called Hagley Wood, which is 
a bit near Birmingham. Yeah. They so they found this tree. They thought it looked interesting, might have some nests in there. So one of them climbed up it to look and glanced down into the trunk, which was hollow, and he spotted a skull which he first thought was an animal skull. But on closer inspection, he saw that there was a bit of skin still on it and some hair hanging off the skin. So he realised it was a person. Um, As they were trespassing, they they were worried about getting in trouble. So they just put the skull back, went home and promised not to talk about it to anyone. But the youngest of them, who I think was 17. Oh, that's quite old. That's quite old. Um, he felt uneasy about it, so he told his parents, who reported it to the police. So, they investigated, and in the tree they found almost a complete skeleton with... <laughs> skeleton? <laughs> I really enjoyed your pronunciation of that. <laughs> it's a skeleton. It's, it's the gin. She's drinking pink drinks. With shoes, a wedding ring, and clothing fragments, and they also found a hand, not in the tree, but a little way away from it. Um, The forensic examiner found it was a female who had been dead for at least 18 months, meaning the time of death was in or before October 1941. She was a around 35 years old and had quite distinctive irregular teeth in her the top front of her mouth um and she had light brown hair and was just five feet tall uh he also determined that she'd given birth to one child in her lifetime it and (sighs) he found some (laughs) capita in her mouth suggesting she died by suffocation oh um, so because of that, he was certain that it was a murder case. Um, he said, I cannot imagine a woman accidentally slipping in there. Neither do I think it reasonable for a woman to crawl into that place to commit suicide. And after measuring the tree trunk, he concluded that the body must have been placed there still warm. Oh. Was used uh, as it wouldn't have fit in there after rigor mortis had set in. Oh. So following that discovery, the police contacted all the dentists in the area because of her distinctive teeth. Um, and they also went through lots of reports of missing persons to see if any of them matched the description. But neither of those turned up any leads because it was during World War II. So there were just so many missing people being reported at the time. Mm. Um, so they looked at the what she found. Nope. They looked at what they found at the scene. (laughs) Some crepe-soled shoes she was wearing. Uh, They were traced back to the Waterfoot Company in Lancashire. And investigators were able to find the owners of all but six pairs, which had been sold from a market stall in Dudley, a town approximately 11 miles from Birmingham. Mm. So because of the complexity of the investigation and just the lack of anything substantial really it went cold and um, also because it was during World War II there was a lot of other stuff going on so the public was distracted and um, it just became forgotten about really 
until about six months later, mysterious graffiti began to appear in the area. Mm. So in winter of 1943, it started appearing written in chalk on the side of a house in Old Hill, and it read, Who put Lou Bella down the witch elm? And witch is spelt W-Y-C-H. And it's just, it's an, it's also called a witch hazel. It's just the name of the tree. Um, and then the year after, some graffiti appeared on the wall reading, Who put Bella down the witch elm? Um, and ever since, there's been sporadic graffiti appearing, asking who put Bella in the witch elm. So it appears around and it's just this like weird thing that pops up locally every few years. So it's become like quite this legend because they never really are able to forget about it. Yeah. Um, So there are a few theories. So in 1944, a Birmingham sex worker reported to police that about three years previously, so 1941, which is when they suspected she had died, um, a sex worker named Bella had disappeared from Hagley Road, uh, which is the area they both worked, and suggests the graffiti knew who she was because they knew her name. Mm. In 1945, an anthropologist and archaeologist who I think was quite well respected um, called Margaret Murray, she proposed it was witchcraft. Uh, The fact that Bella's hand was severed from her arm and the bones scattered around, she said, bore similarities to an occult ceremony known as the Hand of Glory, where bones are scattered to the wind. But not Mm. according to the Wikipedia page of the Hand of Glory, because when I looked it up, it just, you like, pickle the hand. So if someone's a murderer, you cut the hand that they did the murdering with, and then you pickle it, and then... You put a candle in it. Okay. And it's, sure. And it, uh, what did it do? It said it um, makes it, anyone you hold it in front of, like, freeze up in front of you. And it's also just a really fun <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> it's, yeah, a but cheap, your, it's a cheap craft idea. Next week, guys. Yeah, doesn't yeah, your, yeah. Doesn't your house smell like pickled hand? Yeah. Do it outside. Don't Maybe that's what the candle's thing. for. Get a scented one. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure it's not pickle scented. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Pickle scented candles. Probably something that Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> has come up with. Probably to go in someone's vagina. Oh. Like, not while they're steaming it, though. No. Oh, no. Not while the jade egg's in there. Can't, we can't put it all in at once. That would just be ridiculous. Yeah, that would be I think ridiculous. she's confusing vaginas and purses. That's what's happening, isn't it? <laughs> or like a cave in an Indiana Jones film. You must steal the jade egg at midnight. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, Margaret Murray, anthropologist, archaeologist. So it was also noted that the plant Belladonna is also known as deadly nightshade, is widely associated with the occult. And according to local legends, so is Hagley Woods, where she was found. The fact that she was in entombed inside a tree rather than being buried was also indicative of a ritualistic slaying and the choice of tree was also significant which elm plays an important part in the black arts apparently Hmm. the theory that she was executed for a crime against a coven remains quite a popular theory today 
despite investigators declaring that the bones from her hand had, were just scattered from animals, not ritualistically. Yeah. And this woman, Margaret Murray, also concluded that the murder was somehow connected to another murder, which was uh, in the ne- a nearby village called Lower Quinton. Um, this was the one I was going to do for our first episode. So it's the murder of Charles Walton. He was stabbed and then pinned to the ground with his own pitchfork through the neck. Um, And all the locals think that was a witchcraft thing. Um, That just sounds a bit like a stabby pitchfork thing. Yeah, it sounds like he pissed someone off. That's why I didn't do it, because there's like not enough for it to be a a thing in itself. There's just like rumoured sightings of a black dog, which Mm. is associated with witches and just like really vague stuff like that. Basically, I have a black dog. (laughs) They couldn't pin it on anyone, so the locals said it was witchcraft. Yeah, Yeah, they do that, don't they? Yeah, Bob's does have a black dog, so are you a witch? I don't know. I I mean, I don't think so. I don't think I'm cool enough to be one. Maria, you have a black cat, which I feel like me more typically, stereotypically (laughs) witchy. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Nina, are you, enjoying, are you enjoying how much of Rhea is currently visible? Yeah, why, why are you so far away? <laughs> Literally can just see Rhea's forehead and the top of her headphones currently against a big expanse of wall. Oh, there you are. Like a big, it's not like she's close up. She's about two metres away. <laughs> oh, well, I'm carving, you guys. Just chilling, just chilling in the background. Just carving on my thingamaboodle tray. On my cool. tray. Okay, so that is the the witchy one. Mm. <laughs> Let's see how I do with this one. Pick your favourite viewers. You know what? Yeah, before you do that though, can I ask you a question? See, I don't understand. If there's theories about Bella, the sex worker, yeah. like have they fully investigated that? Of course not. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? When you think, like, I know that it's very interesting to do the stories and legends of, of, of witches and what have you, and I'm sure that that does the town some tourism, but this is an actual person who was found stuffed into a tree. Mm. And I feel like it would be really nice for, I don't know, just for her, you know, for us to be able to, to find out who she was um, and how she ended up there. I mean, yeah. it, it, I don't want to give anything away but it's probably not the next theory so the the sex worker one being murdered that's the most likely at the moment yeah and probably Sorry. will remain the most likely but um you know the society as a whole don't really care about sex workers so they don't really investigate when they get murdered horribly can we fix that please society let's do better better oh, yes. than terrible <laughs> How about let's start by just doing the bare minimum. Yeah, Stop murdering women. Uh, uh, that, come on, Nina. That Don't really is ridiculous. the bare minimum. I haven't murdered any women this week. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay. Nina, <laughs> well, Rhea returns to her craft. Goodbye. <laughs> 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 her little dream. <laughs> <laughs> we all float down here. Oh, I've got balloons and everything, guys. Balloons. 
<laughs> okay, next theory. Um, so one theory for some reason is that she was a Dutch woman named Clarabella Dronkers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay to laugh. I'm not laughing at her or her situation, okay. but okay. that name. There's no records or evidence to support this story. Clara that, is, that is just a royal doll character, surely. <laughs> <laughs> so the only like bit I mean, it's not even evidence. It's just the theory that she was killed by a German spy ring consisting of a British officer, a Dutchman and a music hall artist for, quote, knowing too much. So, I mean, we can fully laugh at Dronkers. That's just not even a name. Is it a name? If it's a really popular name in the Netherlands, we apologise, but you're probably not listening anyway. So, (laughs) It sounds like something we would describe as, like, Nina doing on a Friday with her pink gin. She's getting drunkers. <laughs> drunkers. Us. <laughs> but wow, 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 wow. I broke down. People think I'm drunkers. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so this next one is kind of like an expanded version of the last one, sort of. It does involve a Dutch man. Like a, the a, flying a, Dutchman? No. No, one of the other ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> a walking Dutchman. <laughs> um, so uh, it was during World War II that this happened, um, and quite a few German spies were captured throughout the UK. So in 1953, the case of Bella and the Witch Elm con- attracted a new line of inquiry, which was war espionage. Um. Oh. Local newspapers received a letter from somebody who identified herself only as Anna of Claverley. Not okay. sure you'd pick that name. Um, and But she claimed to have information on the identity of Bella and was interviewed by a journalist at the, one of the papers. Um, so according to Anna, Bella was a member of a spy ring seeking information about the location of local munitions factories that could then be targeted by the Luftwaffe. Yeah. Anna was later identified as Una Mossop and she alleged that her RAF pilot husband, Jack Mossop, had witnessed Bella's death. She said that Mossop told her, uh, they both have the same surname, that's not helpful. Uh, Mm -hmm. She said that her husband told her that he had become involved in aspiring along with a Dutchman called Van Rolt. And one evening, Van Rolt, accompanied by a woman that her husband believed to be Bella had picked up his wife in his car. No. Van Rolt. Van Rolt. Van Rolt. What's his fucking name? Van Rolt picked up Jack and and who he the fuck? This is the bit I didn't edit. (laughs) I'm loving it. Let's just say he picked up Clarabella Dronkers. Go. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you laugh so hard. <laughs> Jack got picked up by Van Rolt in a car who had it had a woman in it <laughs> who Jack thought was Bella. Um, and shortly after Van Rolt strangled the woman, allegedly because of her spy associations. 
so there's not much detail in that um and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense Mm. um but it it is very similar to the previous one of clara bella dronkers um (laughs) (laughs) because but that says she's killed by a german spy ring oh but then that would mean this is a german spy ring but it does say british officer so jack mossop dutchman van rolt and then some reason a music hall artist yeah so whatever they're sort of similar um but then there's another version of the story which i also haven't edited so okay good <laughs> i'm looking forward to it um so this version claims that jack mossop and van rolt had been out drinking with bella in a local pub when she became drunk and passed out they then put her in a hollow tree in the woods in the hope that in the morning she would wake up and be frightened into seeing the error of her ways makes sense just perfect logic yep yep guys don't like don't put me in a witch elm if i get drunk I feel like that might be quite fucking difficult to do, to be honest, Rhea. Yeah. Like, not put me in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fucking <laughs> hell. Put you in a tree so bad. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you're a very tiny little woman. Tiny, I mean, tiny. No. <laughs> you're making you're her a... sound like a borrower. <laughs> Hello. No, I mean, a leprechaun. Oh, you're no. definitely lighter than me, but I still don't think I could pick up your completely passed out body and lift you into a tree also you'd have to find the fucking tree in the middle of the woods first that has just a hollowed out bit well nina you've got to get up early in the morning put in the work and get the fucking results i you lost me at get up early in the morning You're not going to murder people with that kind of work ethic. Yeah, exactly. If you want to put people in a fucking witch elm, you've got to get gains, okay? (laughs) You've got to work out. You've got to plan in advance. She doesn't want to put you in a tree, though. Could she just carry on? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, really, my preference. That is my preference. Sorry, I'm spitting now. (laughs) Preference. (laughs) Hey, Rhea. You about to pass out? Uh, Oh, shit. No. I know a place with some trees. I'm not going there with you. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. So the theory is when she woke up, she couldn't climb out and she perished. So they didn't, this theory, they didn't go back and check on her or. No, because they're cunts apparently. Do anything else. um, If she learnt the lesson. (laughs) Yeah. It also doesn't explain why there's taffeta stuffed inside her mouth. And she, that she, why she likely died of asphyxiation. No. Um, but it did say that Jack Mossop was confined to a Stafford mental hospital because he had recurring dreams of a woman staring out at him from a tree. Yeah, well, don't we all have those? Not that one specific. I don't really no. have recurring dreams, to be honest. I just have... Um, the most recurring thing I have is probably my teeth crumbling. Ooh. But it's never it, it, never in the same circumstance. I always try to to fly in my dreams, and I don't get very far. I end up trying to do like breaststroke, and I get about like four feet off the ground. Yeah, yeah, me <laughs> and too. Just stay there trying to do that. That's so weird. It probably says so much. I don't. I'm. I've never had a. I don't think I've ever had a flying dream. 
I've had one really epic flying dream and it was actually so good that I remember it. And it was properly like just flying over planes and fields and just being like, woo, it was great. Oh, yeah, that does sound amazing. I'll have one of those tonight, please. Yes, yes, that sounds wonderful. Ordered. Um, But she gets the face woman tree instead. (laughs) Going drunkers. (laughs) (laughs) Just in a tree, some people think I'm drunkers. <laughs> <laughs> but I am in a tree. <laughs> Can you get me out, please? <laughs> oh. oh dear. This woman is actually dead though, guys. So. I know, yeah. This is hugely sorry, guys. We are we do want her crime to be solved and it's not okay to put women in trees. Stop murdering women, guys. We've covered this already. Yeah, like so, don't put no. women in trees especially don't murder them and put them in trees yeah yeah like what make sure they're awake then stuff them in so they're trapped in there and starve to death no 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 you took you took the wrong message oh (laughs) the wrong one uh we should stop interrupting Mina's story though she's been trying to say it for about half an hour yeah Uh, Uh, Yes, so he was confined to a mental hospital because of these recurring dreams but he died in the hospital before the body was even found Van Rolt, the supposed Dutchman, was never found, and investigators considered that his wife Una Mossop's testimony was uh, just, well, hearsay from an estranged wife. So they were like, (laughs) she's a wife, She's, she's not, what she says isn't valid. But it was also, she did tell it 12 years after they found the body, so... That might be more to why she wasn't believed. Mm. And those are the theories, really. Um, and then the final kind of twist in the case. So someone um, someone wrote a book or made a documentary about it like a few years ago. And to do that, they um, ordered a facial reconstruction based on her skull. But they had to take it from, I don't know if it was casts or photographs or whatever. I think it was photographs. Um, because the skull is missing. So um, basically all the evidence has been lost by police and a spokesman for West Midlands Police said searches have been conducted by the Police Museum volunteers and they have confirmed that we hold no exhibits and can find no documentation that may relate to this case at either of the West Midlands Police Museums. Additionally, searches were carried out by our force records team who have confirmed that there is no relevant documentation held with the major investigation team or in external storage. So pretty much her skull, her skeleton and all the documents in the case uh, have gone with. So someone was just like, well, fuck this shit. Bam. Yeah. Straight in. Yeah. Pretty much. So it'll probably never get solved. Um... Yeah, I find it really interesting, though, because, you know, you've referenced two police museums there. Mm. So what the fuck are they exhibiting? Like, what could be more interesting in any of the things they're displaying? Police whistles. Yeah. Old police hats. Those hats they used to have with the pointy thing on the top of it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, Trenchons. Trenchons, yep. Weapons they used to be allowed to beat people with, which uh, they're not anymore because they can only use uh, 
water cannons now? They're penises. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Let's put a pin in that. Not the penis, the topic. <laughs> um, so that's it. There yeah. was a... There, I mean, finding a fucking body in a tree is weird enough. Um, but then you add on some espionage and some witchcraft and you get that quite interesting story that unfortunately doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. No, that's a real shame. I, I genuinely... I'm. I feel like what curator of a museum would be like, nah. <laughs> nah. Dead oh, body. Interesting skulls. Stories. People fucking hate looking at skulls. Uh, shit, that is. Fucking yeah. burn it. Where are we going to put stop, our 74 truncheons? Yeah. And look, no I've knows. got like 50 pictures of the, um, I don't know, superintendent fucking displayed on this wall. I don't know. Like what? What is in the museum? We're not asking. We're not asking. You could have just stopped. Oh, it's cold, offensive. I don't know. <laughs> we don't. We don't either. No. Right. right. Is what? it me? So you? It's a me. Okay. So when I went looking for a story, I was trying to find. Obviously. Bella and the Witch, uh, who put Bella in the Witch Elm is one of the first ones that come up. Um, and I had a feeling that somebody else would do it. So I thought I'll go look in for something else. The story I'm going to tell, I'm just going to reference, let you know now it does have reference to suicide in it. So if anyone is sensitive to that topic, this story is not for you. Skip ahead like 10 minutes in the podcast. No, 20 minutes probably. <laughs> okay. 100 minutes. Just go to the next episode. Four Jesus hours Christ. later. <laughs> Okay, so in 2012, on January 12th, in the Ooh. Randwick area of Sydney, a tree surgeon was called out to investigate after reports of a foul-smelling smell. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a foul smell a foul coming from the tree. Smell? Yeah, it was a terrible smelling smell. Uh, <laughs> from inside a tree? Come, well, coming from the tree. So the tree just um, smells... Would a tree surgeon be your first thought? Apparently I don't know, so. A bunch of tree sniffers out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, I am one sentence in. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right when you do it to me. I see how it is. Well, I'm just aware that I've written 1,150 words. <laughs> okay, go. Every single cool. one of them. So, uh, tree surgeon came along, went to have a look at what could be causing the odour, and 30 feet... So 10 metres up in the oak tree, they came across the decomposing body of a young woman. This pretty much left the police and local residents very baffled. Um, even though the body was found on the 12th of January, the initial findings indicated that the woman might have died around New Year's. So she was there for about two weeks. The police were convinced that there was no way she could have fallen into the tree because there wasn't really a building nearby. Um, and they thought it would be very, very difficult for anyone to place her dead body up that high. Uh, therefore, it was kind of concluded that she had climbed up into the tree in Prince Lane and died in its branches. So when they started doing their investigations, the police spoke with the father of a five-year-old boy and he had come forward because he, uh, the father had come forward because his son had said that he thought he'd seen someone in the branches several months ago. Um, which raised the possibility that the woman might have been living in the tree 
for some time. However, where yeah, living in a tree. Fuck yeah. Like Sigourney Weaver. You say that, but is it fuck yeah? It's a tree. How are you going to sleep? How's that comfy? Right, I suppose you could do it. Katniss the... Everdeen did it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with a belt, like, tied to the trunk. Well, mm-hmm. then maybe this woman had a belt. Yeah, you think I don't have a belt, Bothwell? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I got yeah. a belt. I oh, got I actually, several. I actually don't have a belt. Well, there you go. I also don't think that would stop you from falling out of a tree. No, I think it would just fucking hurt as you <laughs> did fall out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> it would either just come straight undone or it would really hurt and then you'd keep falling out the tree oh my god you'd probably break your back as you like snap onto oh, like geez. the belt round your midriff well that's not pleasant <laughs> let's get back to the story anyway so <laughs> suddenly the police were thinking that perhaps this woman might have been living in the tree for some time however the local residents who used the little laneway next to the tree um put out their bins there and said that they'd not seen anyone in there so they basically that somebody would have noticed if someone was living in the tree what the residents were able to confirm was that it was around january 4th that this foul smell began to fill the lane and at first they were thinking that you know there's a dead possum or something going on but it started to feel like it or smell like it was localized to kind of just where that tree was hence calling in the surgeon oh no um one lady miss Danyane Bowing. Oh, damn, I wish I'd said Miss Clarabella. (laughs) (laughs) I found some drunkers on Facebook. Did you? (laughs) Sorry, drunkers. Uh, We like think you're drunkers. (laughs) I bet they fucking hate that song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Miss uh, Danyane Bowing, who lives next to the tree, said that she uh believes that a mystery woman may have climbed through her garden around new year's eve and climbed her fence to get up into the tree so she basically has a vague recollection of somebody walking through her garden on new year's eve and climbing the fence and she How was do you like have a vague recollection of that well i guess maybe she had been drinking or maybe she was terrified because you know a woman was walking through her garden yeah but you'd remember that wouldn't you yeah yeah I but think... maybe she was like oh well she's gone now yeah i don't I've... i still think People i'd remember if i not if i was drinking but if i was sober i'd be like um yeah but maybe she felt a bit weird about not having like reported it then mm-hmm. so then she was like oh yeah i vaguely remember this possible thing happening even though i completely and totally do remember it i just didn't say anything about it at the time yeah okay She does have a way of phrasing things, though, because this is what she told the Sydney Morning Herald. My assumption is it started to smell on the Wednesday, January the 4th. I'm no expert on decomposing bodies in summertime, but when I went out around the start of the new year, I remember thinking something smelled dead. Great. That's how she tells it. Wow. Um, This is Australia, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite quite straightforward. They're a bit like that. Something smells dead. (laughs) Well, let's not do that again quite to the point i like it yeah i i enjoy when you watch any like competitions set in australia and the feedback from the judges is just like yeah i i would have liked it if you just uh, done it right <laughs> <laughs> that's because they do not have time to dick around with lots of flowery words because everything in australia is trying to kill you at mm. all times mm. Do you know what I mean? Their, their, their seas are full of sharks. Their land is full of poisonous spiders, snakes. Sharks ain't trying to kill you, just for the record. I've been uh, watching a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah, okay. Nina, Nina knows now. 
They may not be trying to kill you, but when they investigate you with their mouths and their giant teeth, that is enough to do the ah, Investigate you with their yeah. mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, God. Stop it. Right. I'm telling my story. <laughs> Honestly, so, that sounds like something out of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Investigate me with your mouth hole. Mm. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds worse than Fifty Shades. Uh, nothing is worse than no. Fifty Shades. Come oh. on now. Oh, actually, apparently that's not true. Apparently now that's been trumped by there's a terrible film on Netflix called Three Six Five. Yeah, and that's based on a book. So apparently that book could be. But I yeah, I've only I watched a review for it, and I definitely never want to see it. Oh. Yeah. Part of me always wants to see something. They're like, this is terrible. But then Fifty Shades was so, I couldn't, I tried reading that book. I honestly tried reading that book. And yeah, I, it's I, bad. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. It's very bad. Please stop talking about it because Rhea's just going to do it next week. She's going to read us. <laughs> I will. I will summarise all the books I didn't read. It'll be great. Cool. <laughs> okay, so because the tree and the fence under it had been contaminated by the woman's decaying body, both of them had to be removed and, and, and used as part of the evidence, I know. Um, but even Poor though they fence. had this... <laughs> yeah, that's the, vic- that's the real victim of this story. Um, <laughs> I just painted it. Anyway, so initially the, the police were <laughs> with, with de- decaying stuff. Um, yeah. Decaying material. Sorry, no, please continue. Initially, the police were unable to identify the woman despite extensive inquiries. Um, Chief Inspector Dave McBeef. <laughs> no. <laughs> McBeef. Yeah, no. Beef. B-E-A-T-H. McBeef. Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I, thought... I was saying Macbeth with an accent. No, no McBeef. I thought you were saying McBeef. Like, <laughs> like a fucking McDonald's burger. I'll have the McBeef. Uh, anyway, so he said, we're matching the body against the, missing's per- the missing persons list. But as you can appreciate, the ID is not a good one. The body has decomposed to such an extent, I'm not sure the fingerprints are usable. Mm. What they were able to ascertain at postmortem was that the woman was about um, 12 feet, no, 5 foot, 12 feet tall. <laughs> Jeez. How fucking tall is she, Bob? <laughs> Has anyone missing a really big woman? Uh, also, no. that, that woman saw a 12-foot person walking through her garden and forgot. <laughs> That's why she didn't say it. vaguely remembers that. I'm going to try again. She's five foot eight tall, uh, long brown hair, and had no visible tattoos. So that describes, obviously, a lot of women. Yeah, it describes you. No, I have several tattoos. I'm five foot seven and I don't have black hair. <laughs> you said brown. You said brown. Yeah, I did because it is. <laughs> <laughs> you should now. Five seven is like one inch off of eight and your tattoos are not visible generally. Are you yeah. alive? <laughs> yes. Oh, fine. I was murdered in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll call Mr. McBeef. <laughs> Inspector McBeef. Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's known oh, as the hamburger oh. to his friends. Um, <laughs> okay. Those terrible t-shirts. 
So the only other identifying features they had were that she was wearing a green hooded jumper, a green singlet top, which I think is a vest. Yeah, it's know. a vest. Cool. Yeah, Nat calls them singlets. It's dumb. Oh. Yeah, it's dumb. It's Shut up, Nat. She won't know because she doesn't listen to the podcast. Ah, wanker. Uh, and she was wearing three-quarter length black leggings. Sounds like how you dress. I don't wear leggings. Three-quarter length black leggings. <laughs> oh, right. the derby you would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe you died in the tree on your way to roller derby. <laughs> you solved it. Well done. You get to be the new McBeef. <laughs> I think we might okay. have to shut up for like at least five minutes so Rothwell can tell us some of her story. Well, what I'm going to do now is tell you all about who she was and how she got there. It took a month to formally identify her. So obviously they found the body in January. It wasn't until kind of February, March time that they were able to identify her. So they identified her as Melissa Joy Dietzel from Redlands, California. She was known as Mima to her family and Joy to her friends. Uh, she was born March 19th, 1989 to a Mormon family. She was, there was a bit of discrepancy here. So she's either the sixth or the seventh child in a family of 10. She had five brothers. And Who's counting after that many? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, maybe they don't have tellies there. There's clearly nothing else to do. <laughs> mm. Um her family described her as the perfect daughter, excelling in her studies, popular at school and a leader to whom her family and friends looked up to. So she was actually apparently quite quiet as a young child, but grew up and joined her school's jazz and marching bands, playing percussion instruments such as the marimba. Uh, and during this period, she became quite gregarious and had a lot of friends. So that's nice. Um, so she then went to um, Brigham Young University, which was named after a former leader of the Latter-day Saints movement. Uh, and she was a student counsellor and apparently was like always in demand. Like people went to her for advice and her bosses uh, there said that she was fantastic. She graduated from um, the university with a degree in elementary education in three and a half years instead of the usual four. And she'd managed to pay for most of her university fees by herself. So things then took a bit of a turn. So during this time at university, you know, she was seen as very self-directed and focused. However, when she completed this and moved back home, things started to kind of change. Um, people were sort of used to seeing her as being very accomplished at things. But when she returned home, she didn't really have a plan. So she wasn't really following through on anything, which apparently was not like her at all. So... Three years prior to Melissa's body being found, her older brother, Jared, took his own life at the age of 24. He was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and had previously made two suicide attempts prior to when he did take his life. Um, her mother also struggled with the illness and both her parents and two sisters had had it and had taken their lives as well. Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Prior to going to Australia, Melissa wasn't sleeping and she'd had quite pressured speech and she'd sort of talk endlessly. Um, and it was the first time her family had really seen her like that. However, she sort of brushed off their concerns about her mental health, saying that it was, you know, lack of sleep was just because of university lifestyle and she didn't need to see a doctor, you know. Uh, and basically her parents said that they didn't realise the extent of what was wrong. Um, and she wasn't. You know, she wasn't aware of how, of how poorly she was. So in November 2011, 
she decided that she was going to get on a plane to Australia um, and she'd organised a six-month working visa and she was going to work as a live-in nanny in Sydney. However, while she was abroad, her condition worsened, so the sleepless nights continued and she actually began to hear voices and behave strangely, according to her employer at the time. So they decided to let her go. However, they did sort of say, you know, we think that you should go and have a psychiatric evaluation as you appear, you know, she appeared to be having these symptoms of um, schizophrenia or bipolar. Um, but they also, when they, um, when she left, they knew that she had a return ticket to the United States. So they just presumed that she would be going home. Uh, she'd also told them that the voices had um, told her that her parents were dying. So she had to get back. So what actually happened in the tree it would seem as though melissa made the decision to take her own life and she actually did it in the same nearly in a similar fashion to the way that her brother had done it so she hanged herself in the tree um yeah which is which is where she was found it was something that her mother reported that as soon as the police contacted her she was like she knew what they were going to say um so after they said they'd found melissa's body she knew that it was going to be from um her taking her own life. Um, her mother reportedly said bipolar is a condition that runs in our family. She said it doesn't kick in till they're older, but we never thought that she was um, until recently when Melissa was there, things were joyful. She was the best of us. Um, about according well, her mother also went on to say that, you know, though about 20% of those with the disorder end up taking their lives. I don't actually know if that fact is the case, but obviously this is based over in america and i don't know mm. whether that's done state by state or what you know so yeah that does seem um, quite high yeah um in terms of why melissa went to the tree the only connection is just the way that her brother had 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 taken his life was that mm. was the connection um but this story's really stayed with the residents of of the area where melissa was found and obviously also in her hometown as well um but for those people in uh randwick where she was you know where she was found in the tree they still view it as quite you know a really upsetting and tragic event that happened in their neighborhood and a lot of them are very uncomfortable by the fact that obviously she was there for two weeks yeah um, yeah but that is my very sad story about a body in a tree it is a very sad story yeah i did say that to you guys before um before we started the show yeah, I was, yeah you I mean, did but i still think i might sue you anyway for damages okay fair play yeah. fair play yeah no it was it was really sad i i i don't know why this story kind of stayed with me i think it was because once i read about it it just you know it just made me kind of feel so sad and imagining being that lonely you know and being that i guess that alone you know mm. um, going up into that tree and and yeah 10 meters up is not as it's not a small amount, like 30 feet in the air is, is a long way up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, it's when you're not planning on coming down alive, perhaps that distance wouldn't matter so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could well be right, Ria. But so that's the story of Melissa Joy Dietzel. Yeah, so that was a real bummer. I hope uh, yours is a bit more cheery. I'm sure it isn't because... That we're talking about dead bodies. Dead bodies in trees. Whoop. <laughs> yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Um, we G'd up. We ready to go? Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, confession time. I started looking at Bella in the Witch Elm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. God, I'm so common. Um, Oh, okay. It's always me who has a one that someone else is doing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of should have probably avoided it. Um, You know, I've known better in the past. But anyway, you did. Well, I, I had to do something else. You see. Yeah. So um, I've basically gone on to a website called strangehistory.net and I have found a selection of stories of bodies mm. in trees. So strangehistory.net tends to have articles or um, like obituaries or little bit parts like the found in newspapers that were recorded throughout time, blah, blah, blah. And um Basically, some of the stories here are just little bits that were published in a newspaper, you know, years ago, and some of them are slightly longer. So I was going to start with um, the popularity of stories of bodies and trees in the Victorian era. And um, they actually linked through to, so strangehistory.net linked through to an article uh, from Kay Massingill. Um, of the Fortiana Exchange, and it seems to be a story from 1873. So, in a hurricane passing over the Ohio River and down the Miami Valley on the night of the 4th of July, 1873, a splendid grove of oaks on the old Anderson farm of a Mr. Rogers in the latter locality was almost wholly prostrated And here is an amazing story derived therefrom and gravely communicated to the Miami County Democrat by one J.F. Clark. They arrive at the Noble Oak um, and he is a king over his fellows and the tree had been snapped and felled by a storm. So they were examining the tree to see whether they could actually chop it apart and use it as rail timber because it was huge. And uh, Mr. Rogers made a startling discovery. Can you guess what it was? Um, Clarabella um, Drunkers. A bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So. A a can of pink gin. (laughs) Yeah, it it was. It was a can of pink gin. Like, what the fuck? Uh, It was bubbly and everything. No. (laughs) So it was um, nothing less than the fact that the tree in falling had disgorged a skeleton. Skeleton? What's disgorged? Uh, I guess, like, thrown up, <laughs> pushed out. <laughs> but Yeah, there it is. Skeleton. Burst. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Uh, the bones were disconnected, yellow and gold with age, and scattered, oh God, promiscuously over several square feet of pasturage. Did that mean something different? Uh, (laughs) I guess it just means a lot. Okay. Generously. Yeah, Yeah. generously scattered. Just just not scattered promiscuously, really, I feel. (laughs) Yeah, they were just laid out. It looked really sexy. Um, (laughs) So so we did them. Uh, No. So the skull was almost intact and the teeth, save two molars, were in their places. And there was a scar on the left parietal bone, which seemed a memento of a cavalry charge. 
So um, there was the humerus was shattered of the right arm, That's and not there very were funny. no, uh, <laughs> and there were, and there were defects just um, uh, in the skeleton in terms of perhaps how it how it might have died. So they didn't know who this guy was, and um, they're trying to figure out who he is. So they managed to find an old-fashioned leather pocket or memorandum book near the remains and it was in a remarkable state of preservation which had no doubt uh, been dropped into the rent made by lightning so the tree had been uh, hit by lightning in a storm and thus preserved while the master decayed and there were a few brass buttons with old and unique patterns found near the memorandum book which again indicates who this person might have been the old leather purse had no money in it. It contained sundry papers. Uh, so I assume that just means papers they need to move around. Uh, and the book was Mail covered... on sundry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed so much at my own joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's sweet. Like, if you don't laugh at them, who will? Well, yeah. quite. Was yeah. it a joke? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> now I laughed at my own joke and I was just a dick um, so, standard. yeah yeah so it was covered with rude pencilings uh, I think that just means sketches rather Sexy than ah, I drew some dicks <laughs> um, and they were written on the backs of army passes and military consignments which dated as far back as 1776 um, so Mr. Rogers, the person who discovered the bones, conveyed them to his house uh, and set about to read the memorandum of the captive of the tree. He took the bones back to his house? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's what he did. No. He looked so promiscuous. Oh. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, yeah, I want them. He was uh, like, yeah, they, they are now. Oh. Wait, hey, hey. <laughs> So, uh, sorry, just to go on to uh, a beautiful bit of writing. But owing to his failing eyesight, he could decipher but little, and that little, a conglomerate mass of disconnections. But still, he read enough to learn that the eyes had once flashed in the now orbless sockets, had looked upon the Washington in the heat of battle. I said the Washington, and yeah, I did. did. <laughs> <laughs> The Washington. <laughs> the Rhea did say that. but <laughs> He looked upon Washington in the heat of battle and amid the snows of valley and the skeleton arm when covered with flesh and muscle had struck by many stalwart blows for country. Um, so, you know, very romantic writing. Yeah. The man's... Who's he trying to impress? I know, right? Like, I'm a writer, please. Um... The, the man's name, as gathered from the papers, was Roger Vandenberg, a native of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and a captive of the Revolutionary Army. He was an aide to Washington in the retreat across the Jerseys and served a time in Arnold's headquarters at West Point. In 1791, he marched with St. Clair against the Northwestern Indians, and in that famous outbreak of that general on the Wabash, Mm. Uh, on November 2nd of that year, just written, he was wounded and captured. 
So he was captured by Indians and whilst he was being conveyed to the Indian town in Upper Pika, he escaped. Um, so he ran away. Uh, but he found himself pressed by his savage foes. Racist. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so he saw the hollow of the oak. And despite his mangled arm, with the aid of a beech that grew beside the giant oak, then he gained the haven. 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 Uh, <laughs> and dropped therein. So he's climbed into the trees. To hide. Yes. So then came the fearful discovery. He had miscalculated the depth of the hollow and there was no mistake. Oh, the story told by the diary of the Oak's despairing prisoner. How rather than surrender to the torture of the fire, he chose slow death by starvation. Oh my God. He wrote this in his diary while he was inside the tree. That's what it says. How? It, I, it apparently had his little pencil behind his ear like, um, like a journalist. Yeah, like a tradesman. Take some notes. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. I just got to write this in my diary. Stuck in a tree. Yeah, mate, it's going to take, take like three weeks or something. I've got to get the parts in. I can't, I can't get out of the tree. Uh, so how he wrote in his diary in the uncertain light and amid the snows, no one knows. Oh. Here is one of the entries in the diary. November 10th, five days without food. When I sleep, I dream of luscious fruits and flowing streams. I freeze while I starve. God pity me. Some of the words were almost illegible, as the trembling hand oft times used to indict plainly. The entries covered a period of 11 days and in disjointed sentences told the story of St. Clair's defeat. Mr. Rogers has written to Lancaster to ascertain if any of the descendants of the ill-fated captain are alive. If so, they shall have his body. Jackson Citizen. 12th of August, 1873. So. I'm guessing he must have been drinking something if he was alive for 11 days. Well, here's the thing, guys. There's no fucking record of this. Oh, but it's such a good story. It's a fucking article. So that was it. This was shared by Jackson Citizen of Jackson, Michigan in 1873. But unfortunately, there is no record linked to anyone in this story. Not Mr. Rogers and not our dear Roger Vandenberg. So, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I think it was basically a popular urban legend in the Victorian era. And I say the Victorian era, but it's in America. So, you know, about that time, but not <laughs> under Queen Victoria in it. What was that era over there? Just I don't know. Fucking other time. Yes. Yeah. Posh. Uh, I don't know. So when was the uh, American Civil War? Because obviously this is supposed to be a story of some guy during the American Civil War who then dies and then gets later found. Um, oh God! It's what? like eighteen six. It's like eighteen sixties. Yeah. So what president with that? So that was there was um, Abraham Lincoln who was there for the early part, I suppose, and then gets killed. 
Um, yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's Lincoln time. Link. It's Lincoln time. <laughs> God damn. Yes, it's uh, it's Lincoln um time. <laughs> Lincoln, then it's Ulysses. Oh, Lincoln and Ulysses. E. Grant. Oh, I see. Chai well, Grant. Yeah, why not? So it's just kind of interesting. And I think actually um, <laughs> history it, is kind of interesting, you guys. Well, the fact that it's an urban legend linked to trees, linked to things mm-hmm. happening to people in trees. And they are quite prevalent urban legends. And I suppose it is because, A, we associate trees and woods with things that are often sinister or supernatural. And then, yeah. Just trees are magic. Yeah, pe- trees are magic and people want to be in them and, and they're a little bit scary to be in. Um, and now I've got a few real, really short articles of real bodies found in trees in Britain. So yeah. two men were resting beneath the hollow oak tree at Edmonton. So it says last night and this is in uh, 1928. Um, the 26th of July, and it was in the York Post. So two men were resting beneath a hollow oak tree at Edmonton last night when they noticed through a crack in the trunk the dead body of a man. Round his neck was a rope tied to the branch overhead. They told the police, and as a result, the body was extricated. It has been identified as that of Henry Beach, aged 56, of Tottenham, and he'd been missing since Saturday. So, yeah, just a little sad story. I didn't then go, I I should have spent the time to investigate who Henry Beach was, but I I didn't have the time, guys. He's so, not, he wasn't in the tree. He's not, they're he, not inside the tree. They're just like hanging inside in the... the tree. But it, because of where he'd hung himself, the rope had snapped and then it dropped him into the tree. So they were under the tree and they saw in the trunk so they looked through a crack in the trunk and that's they saw his body fucking in creepy. Yeah. No, it's horrible. It's fucking creepy. And you know, we stop by trees just to have like picnics when we go cycling yeah. places or on walks or what have you. Because it's nice to sit near a tree. I hug them. Yeah. You would but also we just, they're calming, aren't they? You look at them and just think it's lovely. It's oh. nature. It's, you don't think what's well, stuffed in there. I'm going to be so suspicious of them all now. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so this article was um, published on the 8th of October, 1909. Uh, Mr. Roberts, a farmer near Mould, was walking in one of his fields when he discovered what was practically the skeleton of a man standing upright in the hollow trunk of an old oak tree. (laughs) Saturday, yeah. Saturday, the corpse was identified as that of Griffith Hughes, Oh, yeah, just Griffith, not Griffiths. Oh, my God. No, not a plural, just Griffith. <gasps> Griff- oh, I hate it. Griffith Hughes. <laughs> Griffith Hughes. Just call him McBeef. Brother of Ellis Hughes, landlord of the Ruven Castle public house mould. Seeing that Hughes was over 50 years of age and had lived at Bury in Lancashire, the circumstances of his strange death are shrouded in mysteries. Mystery. <laughs> it's <laughs> that came 
over mold uh, June last. Uh, and it was noticed he often spoke about his boyhood days and how he used to descend the hollow of this particular oak tree for owl's nests. It is surmised that Hughes had a longing to see this particular tree and had dropped himself down the hollow trunk as oh, he did no. when he was a boy. He must have been unable to release himself and would therefore have died a lingering death from starvation. His shouts would not be heard as the tree was in the middle of a field. The body was very much decomposed when found. The hollow is about six feet depth and the deceased was found feet downwards. Oh. Yeah, that one's, yeah. They're just going to get worse. How uh, hollow? How? A tree's hollow. Uh, some are. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah some are. They get old enough. They start rotting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, based uh, there's two more, and I'm not sure I want to share them with you based on the reactions we've received <laughs> so far. No, uh, keep we're we're here. Come on. We're, okay. Let's keep going. I like miserable stuff. All right. So this was published in Grandeur on the 16th of July in 1870. On Saturday evening last, an inquest was held at. Cowden near Coventry to inquire into the circumstances connected with the death of a child whose body had been found by boys in the hollow decayed tree in Hamlet of Cowden. Um, so that was, yeah, mm. that's it really. There's just a little, and then this one's a little bit worse, uh, but a little <laughs> bit shorter. Um, so this was published uh, on the 21st of April in 1939. The body of a newly born baby was found in the hollow trunk of a tree near the oh. footpath leading to Preston from Whitley Bay. The discovery was made by three boys who were passing with a dog. That's really sad. Yeah, for, really what sad. year so the, was that? That was 1939. That's why birth control and um, support systems and uh, all that stuff's important. Yeah. Pro choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. yeah. Do you know what though? I'm not going to leave it there. Okay, you're only on a happy one. I'm going to try. So, yeah. the body um, of Goebbels was found stuffed in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I'm going to go back to a little bit of folklore. So, this is Sussex folklore uh, and the Midsummer Oak and its skeletons. Okay. Uh, so, the oak tree in question is in Midsummer Oak at Broadwater, Worthing, and the legend in question um, seems not to be recorded in any medieval or early modern source. It's just a local little legend, and it was published in 2006 in their local Argus newspaper uh, when the oak was threatened with closure. Uh, their I local Argos newspaper? No, Argus uh, newspaper, so uh, nearly the same, but instead with a few fewer bargains. Yeah, fewer bargains. We're going to close this oak tree. Probably um, not thick. Um, yeah, probably not as thick. So, Mister Hare said, uh, the late Wilf Page, former landlord of the Cricketers Pub at Broadwater, passed on the tale of Worthing Midsummer's tree to him in 1987. He told the Argus, 
It was believed long ago that skeletons would rise up from the roots of this tree on Midsummer's Eve and dance around it. Uh, the origin of the Midsummer tree is to be found in England's pagan past when Midsummer, rather than Halloween, was viewed as the most auspicious time to commune with the spirit world. Cool. Yeah. Uh, they, skeleton party? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've not been down there on Midsummer to check, but, you know, I'm happy to go. See if we can get those skeletons to come up and do a little dance for us. Uh, they were going to get rid of the tree because I think it was suffering from a brown cubicle rot. But I think they have managed to get a stay on that being knocked down. But yeah. If, oh, sorry. To continue, uh, the skeletons will dance hand in hand around the tree until the cock crows in the morning. So, right. so you've got all night to dance with those skeletons if you want. That sounds harmless and adorable. Yeah. I'm actually getting the, um, you know, the theme tune to the skeletons, whatever it was. With the, oh, the dog. dog. And the dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, skeletons danced. I'm just having a look at this quote. Uh, my informant knew several persons who had actually seen this dance of death. But one young man in particular was named to me who, having been detained in Finden by business till very late and forgetting that it was Midsummer Eve, had been frightened out of his very senses by seeing the dead men capering to the rattling of their own bones. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So they make some sick beats while they're dancing around. Yeah, exactly. It's, it sounds like fun. Yeah. I think we should do it. Yeah, I would join in with that. Um, yep. And that's that's it. That's the end of my uh, selection of stories uh, about bodies in trees. That was thank you for ending on a cheerful. high note. Yeah. yeah, this was. I think this is definitely us. I feel like this is one of our saddest episodes. Yeah, we're, we're literally talking about dead bodies specifically. Yeah, I know. I just, I, you know, I don't know. I was going <laughs> to say I wish there were more jerks in trees, but actually, no one. I don't believe in people dying. So, like for doing wrong things so that doesn't work either we need to just pick cheerio topics guys i um, thought it was a good topic i liked it i did enjoy the stories did you who put it in uh, uh it you. was me oh <laughs> but it was nina <laughs> i was like uh you <laughs> it was me i put it in thanks is that because you were planning on doing bella uh yeah maybe oops <laughs> did it happen <laughs> Was it because you knew this happens more? Like a body in a tree feels like it should be a like this happened once or maybe yeah. even twice. Like whoa, yeah, absolutely. But actually, there's fucking loads. Yes. Uh, how did your crafts go? Do you know what mine looks really nice <laughs> up close? <laughs> but I have taken a photo of it for us to upload the craft, and it just looks like I've dicked about with a bar of soap, <laughs> and uh, it's white, so you can't you literally can't see anything. Oh, oh yeah, that looks like a bar of soap. Yeah, I'll put the photo in. Mine looks like a piece of cauliflower. Oh, it's a tree. Yeah, yeah. No, I went, I went in the same sort of direction. Yeah, you Um, did. Tree direction. Yeah, we we've all done trees, but mine was engraved onto the front of my soap, and you guys have actually carved it out. Oh, mine's mine's a bit. It's a bit square. Yours is a bit broccoli from this angle, Nina, but I'm still really enjoying it. And yours could be a chicken's foot. 
It could be. I think that's because it the helps cult. that yours is brown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll try and take a picture of it at some well soon, but like, it's not great. It's not my favorite thing that I've ever carved into soap. Um, but yeah. Can you see? Look, I've sent you the picture of mine. Can you actually see <laughs> the detail of that? Mine is full cauliflower. <laughs> this looks so shite. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a tree. I see it. Yeah, it's a tree. It's I kind of wish I went for the the two D carving route now. Yeah. Maybe I'll try feed this broccoli to Nat. See what happens. <laughs> cauliflower. Broccoli is green. Yeah, she, she won't. She won't be impressed with that. I don't think. I think no, she'll be like, like, "Yeah, I love it." Please don't feed me Guys. the soap. We've got to pick a topic from hat, sock, sock, hat, hat bag, bag, sock. We have but to pick a craft. Pick yeah, but if it's a bummer of a topic, I think we should pick again. Yeah. Okay. If it's a like, Body's everybody's definitely dead. dead. Yeah. Everybody's like, dead. Dove. Dove. Um, so the first one I picked out was torture. Um, no, I think we need a. I think we need a lighter <laughs> week, and then we'll come back to that. Ghost encounters. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. And then for some reason afterwards, I wrote real slash not real. <laughs> <laughs> are we I trying to prove whether they it. are in the? Hey guys, we could make pom poms. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we could make pom poms. Yep. Ghosty. Yeah, ghostly pom-poms. <laughs> You're going to have to find like a story of a ghost cheerleader now or something. Yeah. Okay, dibs on that. Um. Oh. Yeah, why did I write real, not real? I think I wrote it because you were telling your stories about your ghost encounters yeah. and I love them. Maybe this is one we need to go to other people for. Ooh, yeah, okay. I okay. don't have any ghost stories. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we do a asking around with our friends? See if we can find something. But if we can't, then just do our usual research and find one from the internet. Okay. Yeah. I bet Nat's seen one. She's very superstitious. It has to be a real ghost, though. It can't be like Monty. <laughs> no, he's a rabbit. He's I know, but beautiful. He's so beautiful, but you know, if Nat scares easy. Oh. So I don't want her to be like, Wah! and then actually, no, it was Monty. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a weird story to tell. Yeah, I kind of want to hear that story now that I've started. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend looked at my rabbit, but she thought it was a ghost. It wasn't. <laughs> Kate, that, well, my homework's done. Brilliant. <laughs> cool. So, um, are we doing pom-poms? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> ghost <laughs> pom-poms. Uh, ghost pom poms. We're talking about ghosts. We're making pom poms. Join uh, us. Yeah, one of us. One of us. And if you crafted along with us, please do share your craft with the hashtag Weirding Hour. Yeah, because we want to see, guys. It's just our artwork, and let's be honest. It's most. It's at least two thirds subpar a lot of the time. Uh, please, please, someone try soap carving. Yeah. It's so easy. You should do it. You should do it along with this episode. You should do it along with the next episode. You should soap carve pom poms. <laughs> Crossover. Crossover crafts. I actually have a spare soap left. I might have to do something with it. 
You were wash, like, wash yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we're so funny. <laughs> okay. Um, if you have topic suggestions or craft suggestions for us, craft suggestions would be amazing. Yeah, yeah please we email are. them to us. General comments, concerns, uh, worries if you want to report Rhea. Uh, what? Email weirdingar at gmail.com. And in the meantime, please rate, review, subscribe, listen, get your mom to listen, get your friends to listen, listen again, start again, listen back yeah, to one and think, like, have they improved? Yeah. On a different device, oh, yeah, that would please. be even better. Yeah, yeah. If you could listen uh, on a different platform, that would be awesome too. And then if you just want to, like, email us and tell us we're lovely, that's cool. Like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to know where we get all our amazing material from, literally just put the title into Google. It will be the top three. But other than that, we will put references in the episode description. We will. We always do. You can trust us. We're very trustworthy. We don't lie. Rhea is not trustworthy. I, what, I, I can't lie. I literally can't. Yes, I'm not good at it either. But yeah. Nina? <laughs> How's he lying? Nina just lies all the time. She's like, "Eh." I just made my story up. Cool. Yeah, that's it then. All that's left to say is thanks for listening, weirdos. One day they're going to join in and we're going to do a Baba Shop Quartet. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Love you. <laughs> oh, spread the weird. Dark. Spread the drunkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. One oh, day, one day we're gonna do it and it's gonna work. I'm gonna go thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all together. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Mmm, discordant. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I don't know how to harmonize, guys. Oh, I don't know how to hit a note. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Kill. <laughs>